Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Hey, what's up? It's Craig. Two things real quick before we dive into the podcast. First is the time that we actually recorded this, which was last Monday. We anticipated putting this out on Thursday as Logan is doing a bunch of travel. And then Terry McLaren signed his contract and we decided we needed to do a fresh podcast. So you got Thursday's fresh pod and then we have all this amazing football conversation on this podcast. But if you hear one or two references to Well, if Terry signs, the reason why is because we recorded it before Terry signed. The other thing, you might notice my audio quality is not quite up to the level that we expect. Somehow, some way, some settings got crossed and it recorded off my laptop instead of my good microphone. So I apologize for that. Still plenty easy to hear. I'm just acknowledging that uh, I goofed. So sorry about that. Hope it doesn't negatively impact your listening experience at all or at the very least not that much. Uh, with that, we'll be back with a fresh pod on Thursday, and I hope you enjoy the holiday mailbag and have had a great weekend with you and yours. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. We got a mailbag edition today. Uh, I got to say, I must have exhausted all of my my Twitter mailbag. <laughs> Uh, questions. I got I got a couple uh, at Hoffman Show at Craig Hoffman, but Logan, you put up the bat signal on Instagram, yeah. and your followers came through at Logan underscore Paulson eighty two. That's where they can find you, and that's where we found all the questions. Well, I will say you taught me how to ask like a question, and so like without you, it wouldn't be possible. Let's just say Thank that. You. That, uh, <laughs> that means so much to me. Instagram 101. We went through after the pod on Monday. Uh, but it's all right. We got the questions. We got them in. We have a bag full of them. It is a mailbag. Normally we do mailbag Monday. But we're just doing a full-on mailbag episode. We'll probably do a couple more of these throughout the uh, the summer here as, you know, there's there's not, I mean, look, there are things happening. Obviously, we continue to monitor what's happening with Dan and the subpoena and his yacht and all those kinds of things. That is the biggest news item around this team right now. Um, Football-wise, you kind of hope nothing happens this time of year, which obviously opens us up to have some fun discussions about a variety of things. We're going to try to do uh, a bunch of positional previews as we work towards training camp, and we're going to try to bring in an expert on each one. For instance, I feel pretty confident that this guy's going to come on, even though we haven't asked him yet, but I'm going to throw his name out there. Like, We'll do a receiver positional preview. We'll have Santana Moss on. Yeah. Right, so like we, we will grab someone who either was a coach or a player in the league at that position or has some kind of expertise. So we're really looking forward to doing that uh, over the next couple of weeks on the podcast. But for today, uh, let's hit a mailbag, uh, and there are some really good ones. Uh, this one, uh, this is kind of a fun discussion. It's actually a simple like yes or no. The answer is no, and we could move on. But it actually, I think, is a fun discussion around it. Uh, is Cole Holcomb a top one hundred player? Uh, the answer, the answer is no. Uh, right. But that's 
that's because I think people don't necessarily understand how high the level is for top 100. Cole's, Cole's a good, good football player, but uh, for instance, last year, player number 100 was James Robinson, who's an outstanding back for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You got Brandon Sheriff, uh, who was an all-pro, uh, who was 98 last year. So it's just that the bar is very, very high. Yeah, and also I think, you know, obviously if he goes out and leads the league in tackles, there's an opportunity that he gets on there because it is a little bit of a, um, to put it nicely, a dog and pony show. Like I used to vote for this list, and you kind of just go through the big names. You kind of say, oh, like, how's Aaron Donald doing? Is he okay? Yeah, he's on the list. Uh, Tom Brady on the list. And so as you get out of that top, I'd say like 25, 30, maybe even 50 names, you know, including receivers, running backs, all that stuff, the bottom of that gets pretty dicey in terms of guys that you've heard of guys that are probably playing good football but guys that you just that aren't like immediate name recognition like brian robinson's a great example very productive guy thousand yard rusher but you know when you said his name i thought you were talking about the defensive tackle that used to play in uh, he plays in la so again like you don't it's not like the first name that comes to mind when you think of good backs and I, so i think cole in especially playing in this market here with the commanders a team that's kind of in a rebuild a lot of other stuff going on in terms of media exposure um, is going to have a hard time cracking that list, even if he is having you know, a career year. So I think that's something important to understand. I think he's capable of doing that. Kind of all the stars align. They're not playing against elite quarterbacks this year. They're probably going to see more runs. They're going to be playing from ahead a little bit more this year. His production is going to be up, no doubt. But like you said, Greg, very, very challenging to kind of break into that group just because of the name recognition factor, I think. Yeah, especially for a guy that's not super, uh, you know, super heralded uh, coming out of college. Correct. Et All right, next question. Uh, if, and and I, I have a feeling you're going to dislike the premise here on both ends of the question, but I'm, I'm, it came in. We're going to ask it. If Jahan Dotson is a bust, would you <laughs> fire Ron Rivera and or Martin Mayhew? Uh, I think that's the idea is that fans want to fire people for busted draft picks. But, you know, we did our draft evaluations, right? And we talked about that pretty extensively. And I think one of the things that comes up is how subjective the draft process actually is. And we talked about our running backs in the last podcast. If you didn't listen to that, check it out. And it's so subjective. It's my opinion, things I value. And you hope that those things translate to the next level. And so obviously I think, you know, when you look at their draft history in terms of first-round draft picks – Chase Young, I don't think there was any disagreement on him across the board. He was almost a unanimous number one pick in the draft. He falls to number two, whatever. Like that's that's part of the process. Injuries, you know, development, all those things. Jamin, I think there was a little bit more risk associated with that pick, obviously. He's got high upside. He's in year two. Look around the league, look at the linebackers. Look at linebackers who are playing straight linebacker obviously the kid in dallas is an outlier because he's pass rushing and he's playing in coverage but right. zavin collins um isaiah thomas isaiah thomas the kid who's also in arizona who's from clemson uh, uh isaiah know, simmons isaiah simmons very very kind of tumultuous beginnings to their career in terms of on the field stuff because playing linebacker in the nfl is so hard i you know i watch a lot of film craig and when i'm watching just even simple runs there's so many things to confound their keys. It's going to take time. It's going to take reps. It's going to take exposures. And I think with a guy like Jamin, you're betting on him being good. Better this year, kind of elite good year three is what you're really hoping for. And again, that's why draft evals are so tough. Because you got to say, it's not this year. It's not even next year. It might be three years out. I think an excellent example of that is the outside linebacker up in Green Bay, who uh, Gray from, uh, where's he from, Michigan? 
He was an outstanding player, measured really well, and didn't really come on until third year in terms of having double-digit sacks, tackle for loss numbers. So again, even though you want to look at it in this very short window, draft eval is a long-term process. And I think, right. you know, and we mentioned Jahan, you know, you, you kind of alluded to Jahan in the question. I don't think Jahan's going to be a bust. You know, after watching him in ODAs, after watching what he did in college, I think the foundation is laid for him to have a very, very productive rookie season, and receivers, for whatever reason, are becoming are coming in very productive. So I think he fits that mold. I think he's going to be productive. I think having Wentz here, if they do re-sign Terry, that's just going to benefit him. So I don't think that's going to be a bust. I think this year's draft class specifically, they did a really good job of finding guys who the fans are going to be happy about because they're going to be on the field a lot early, and I and I think that's going to prevent any type of firing because of personnel errors in the right. past. Um, like to go with the premise of the question, if Jahan is somehow terrible and I believe <laughs> that, uh, you know, I believe that James is going to be a lot better, but let's pretend for yeah. the sake of the question that he is terrible again. Yeah. There's a chance that Mayhew could be on the line and depending on how other things go, there's a chance Rivera could be on the line. But I, I do think like the correct answer to this question is if you are, that assumes that Jamin Davis is a bust and that's incorrect. Like right. it's year two. Was right. he really bad as a rookie? Yeah, it was not good. Is it the kind of thing that you, based off that, you could say you potentially overdrafted him because you want your first round pick in the you know top two thirds of the first round to come in and be impactful day one? Yeah, I think that's also fair. Like, is is that more of a second round kind of player, someone who's going to come in, struggle, and grow into being a very good football player? Yeah, but to say that he is a bust based off one year. When all right. the reports are he's way better already going into the spring of year two is, uh, I, we'll call it presumptuous. It is uh, presumptuous. And and just to kind of piggyback on that, like Zaven Collins, who was a guy that I liked better in that class, who was picked, I think, right before him by Arizona at 15, had a, a, graded worse. He played less. He graded worse. It's it's a tough, as in terms of projecting positions, Linebacker is one of the most difficult positions to project. So as fans listening to this, just keep that in mind. Like every single rookie linebacker outside of Micah Parsons, who, if you just look at his linebacker stuff, also struggled. But because he has this outstanding ability to pass rush, his grade is all, it's in flux in a positive way. Just keep that in mind. Like he will get better. He has gotten better. He looks better. Is he going to be a Pro Bowl player this year? No. But is he going to be a serviceable starting player that's going to make some splash plays? I think so, as long as like when the pads come on, he continues to progress. Right. Uh, all right, next question. Uh, again, these are coming from Instagram. You can hit Logan at Logan underscore Paulson82. Follow him there for a bunch of great content. Uh, get smarter about football. You know, good stuff. Yeah, uh, good stuff. And, and I think I think this kind of might play into the last question a little bit, uh, although it wouldn't seem so on its face. Who were some of the early contenders for Commander's MVP? I think, obviously, Wentz has yeah. got to be at the top of that list because quarterbacks are always at the top of the MVP list, and if he plays well, that would project them to their best version of their season. Um, so, But then I, I think that there are certainly other candidates, and I actually think a sleeper could be Jamin Davis. If he comes out and balls out, like he could change that defense as much as pretty much anybody. Obviously, Chase, uh, if he comes in and has a huge impact when he gets back off Pup, assuming that's where he starts. Uh, Montez, obviously, John has a, has a chance on the defensive side of the ball. But I, I think of like who could be the most impactful splash play kind of player on the defensive side uh, if we're just throwing out candidates. Like I actually think Jamin is, is a sleeper to enter that conversation. 
Yeah, and I think I would say Jamin too if he was playing more. The guy right now who's playing the most at linebacker is Cole because he's calling your defense. He's playing in your Cinco package. He's playing in all these different fronts, and he's looked good. They've done a good job of finding defensive linemen when Payne, Allen, and Federian are in there that keep him covered up and let him run to the football. And Jamin has looked good. I just don't know if his per, if his time on the field is going to support him having like this tremendous production. And that might change as, as – training camp goes they might say man this guy because he has flashed like in you know dude ran a 4-4 coming out of college he's 6-3 he's 245 pounds and when he opens it up and runs to the ball which he's done more this offseason you say man that is something that is very unique around the nfl so keep i I think it's more if you're if you got betting odds i think that's a long shot but it's definitely something that is entirely possible depending how the development of the offseason goes Cole, I totally agree with. He's going to be in there. He's probably going to lead the team in tackles. He's going to be kind of in more advantageous situations. The offense is going to be more productive. It's going to put the defense in better situations. You're not seeing elite quarterback play. His play is going to improve. A guy that I think you know gets a lot of pub, but people forget about him for whatever reason, is Cam Curl. Has mm-hmm. looked on the verge. like He's put himself in good position in the offseason, in the OTA period to kind of set himself up for a big year. And they're going to use him a lot as a blitzer. They're going to use him a lot as a Buffalo nickel. They're going to use him a lot in the post. He's a guy that's very instinctive, good length, good physical tools. I like him a lot. You mentioned Montez. I think Montez, just from a confidence and play standpoint from the OTA period, is is that guy. I think he's. you're looking at double-digit sacks. You're looking at probably 20 tackle for loss, that type of season from him. And I don't. I think that's that, that's being conservative, quite frankly. So I'm excited about... Those three guys, I think another guy that deserves some name recognition here because of what he does for the defense, at least from the OTA period, is a guy like Benjamin St. Juice, if he can get that nickel roll locked down because it really solidifies the back end. But those are kind of my four pieces that I would be keeping an eye on on the defensive side of the ball. Are we doing offense as well? Yeah, so I'll, I'll go a couple names on offense. Um, yeah. Obviously, Carson, I don't think yeah. we need to waste extra time explaining why a quarterback could be the team's MVP. Uh, yeah. Antonio Gibson... The sheer number of touches they they tried to get him last year, if they are trying to do that again, uh, again, even if he wanted to carry number not being that different from Brian Robinson, uh, which is something that you think is is very possible, especially as we get later on in the year because of how good Robinson looks as a potential first and second down back. And by the way, how good rookie running backs have been because there's just a freshness to a rookie that is guys get on in their career. We talked about this uh, last episode with Zeke, like, there's something that comes off as, as guys go in terms of the explosiveness as they take more and more and more hits. But with Antonio, you also are looking at a guy who can get catches on screen passes out of the backfield, can line up out wide. Obviously, they do a lot of that stuff from McKissick. He should be the guy who touches the ball the most this year. Thus, he's got to be in the conversation. In terms of guys that can make a huge impact, though, and kind of change the direction of their season based off what it was last year, obviously, Terry, um, if yep. your best receiver uh, has got to be in that mix, if he goes out with Carson that deep ball becomes more available to him. He has a 12, 13, 1400 yard season, you know, double digit touchdowns, definitely in the MVP conversation for this team, but also Curtis Samuel, the the way that he is able to unlock a lot of things within this offense, whether it's the stuff specific to him, some of the trick plays, some of the reverses, jet sweeps, all these kinds of things. uh, Some of the screen game that they wanted to have for him or the other stuff that opens up off of that, the, 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 kind of cheap and easy yardage, if you will, you'll be able to get by faking something to Samuel, knowing something's going to be wide open on the backside. The threat of Samuel, if he is healthy, I think has to put him offensively into this conversation. 
I don't disagree with that. I think also, you know, just to kind of support your point even more, like so much of what they do from a run game standpoint is off the jet sweep, off the reverse action with a guy like Curtis Samuel. And that's more effective when you're worried that he's going to touch the ball because he is a dangerous playmaker, excuse me. And so I think, obviously, I I don't disagree with that. I would put him lower because I don't think he's going to get as many touches. I think the guy coming out of OTAs that would be, if you were giving an MVP today, it would be Carson Wentz and Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson just looked like we talked about this on the podcast a couple times, like a number one receiver. Like that's the kind of vibes he's bringing. And so obviously Terry, you know, I've talked about how much we like Terry on this podcast, how impactful that would be, but he's not here right now. So it would be Jahan. Again, Terry's always in that discussion because of his past performance and because of his history. Um, The next one would be, again, I agree with the Gibson thing. I just would be a little bit concerned about how many touches he actually gets. I think he'll be more effective with those touches. I think he'll be fresher. I think he's going to be way more productive. But again, he's not going to end up with 250 touches this year, I don't think. Um, And then, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's it. Another kind of dark horse-ish type of thing would be one of the tight ends. And, you know, Bates, obviously, I don't think he's going to get that many touches. But let's say, for example, a guy like Cole Turner. This is way down the list, just to kind of give the audience some different names. um, Is he has shown an ability to make elite catches consistently in practice without pads on. And so that's a guy that could be six seven physically. He's a mismatch just coming off the bus. Can Scott Turner find a way in this very deep kind of landscape of playmakers to utilize that skill set? And I in the red zone, you know, ended up with you know maybe mm-hmm. multiple touchdowns. He had ten touchdowns in college on one on one type of situations. He has a nice skill set for that. So again, that's a dark horse candidate, but someone to kind of. Just keep an eye on as the development goes, especially if Logan Thomas isn't healthy early in the season. Yeah. Um, we had another question about uh, potential pro bowlers. I think we pretty much named everybody there. I would add, except for on offensive line, defensive line, I would add John Allen, Deron Payne as potential pro bowlers for sure. Uh, if you had to pick one of the offensive linemen as the highest likelihood to make the pro bowl this year, who would it be? That's a really good question. Um, well, obviously, Chase Roulet hasn't practiced at all, but he's kind of the high, he's been the highest graded player consistently. I think it's a very dense landscape with center. A guy that I think might surprise some people athletically has the ability to do something. And obviously, playing, playing tackle in the NFL is tough, is, is Cosby. Like when you watch mm-hmm. him, he's, he's such an elite athlete that if it kind of clicks for him and things fall into place, I think there's a really good opportunity there for him to. Uh, to turn some heads, you know, and obviously it takes some time to get in the Pro Bowl voting or whatever uh, because of, you know, like the the name recognition and stuff like that. But he's a guy that he went up against Joey Bosa last year in the first game and was very competitive and, you know, was very productive as the season went on. I think he had the highest graded run. He was the highest graded run blocker uh, for any rookie offensive lineman last year. And so, again, he brings that same skill set. It'll be interesting to see how he plays without Sheriff right next to him kind of keeping things in line but that's again a a very long shot very dark horse but i don't think it's without you know outside the realm of possibility i'm tony kornheiser this is my show my friends come on and you know them we talk about the sports you care about basketball now golf and the metronome of your life baseball Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Take a Man podcast here from Odyssey Sports. I'm Greg Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. A mailbag episode on this Thursday. That actually leads nicely, though, into the next uh, piece of the conversation, the next question. Uh, who are some potential breakout players this mm. year? So we're looking at younger guys, maybe take on a little bit bigger role that you think could have a big impact. I, I think you obviously just mentioned one in Cosme. Um, you know, Cam Curl, I, I feel like he's ineligible because he broke out last year, but maybe yeah. Benjamin St. Juiced on the defensive side is a name. I like that, that one. I like the Benjamin St. Juice one quite a bit. I think, you know, again, we've talked about him in OTAs and there's still a lot of time in terms of, you know, how he's going to develop with the pads on. Can he, can he fill that role when the pads are on in a more physical situation? Obviously. Um, I think another one that's really interesting to me as I, I'm totally drawing a blank. Oh, is um, John Bates. I think he's going to play a lot this year. You know, I got to see him firsthand down at Titan University. And I think that guy's motivated to get some things done this year. And I think that's pretty exciting um, for him, you know, in terms of as a run blocker and developing as a pass catcher. He's a guy that I would keep an eye on, especially if Logan Thomas doesn't start early on in the season. Um, on defense, we talked about Benjamin St. Just. You know, Jamin Davis is a guy that I would just keep an eye on. Again, he's a little bit of a dark horse. I think those other guys have a have a better opportunity and have showed a, a higher level of consistency to come out and do some things early on. And then obviously, Jahan Dotson, we've talked about him at nauseum, but like that's just how good he looked during the OTA period. And I think that's important to uh, to keep in mind because he's, he's, he's done a very, very yeah. nice job. When you say breakout for Dotson, though, like, and, and you've obviously, you've continually just said, like, this dude's great. Um, yeah. And, but, like, what are we talking? And let's, let's do two scenarios. And statistical prediction for if he's the number one and for whatever reason, trade, right. hold out, Terry's not here. Uh, and then if Terry is back and back in the number one slot, what does his statistical season look like? How good yeah. of a player do you think he can be this year? So I think just after watching him during the OTAs, and obviously like defenses will change and adapt and challenge him a little bit more than he was challenged because he'll be the number one guy. I think at some point this year, if if Terry does choose to hold out or does get traded or whatever happens, um, I do think that um, he easily over a thousand yards receiving is kind of like where I'm at with him after watching the OTA. He just is from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint. I just think he's. He's got it. He's got what you're looking for to be that number one guy. If Terry's here, you know, obviously, like, I don't think he'll be as productive because I think Terry will get some targets. And that's the other thing about having Jahan in this offense with Carson Wentz and Terry is I remember, you know, I told you I just did a breakdown of the receivers. And Terry does something from a speed standpoint that I think needs to be addressed is I've never seen a receiver just run by a DV the way that Terry can do it. And... Again, like having that skill set, having that big playability married with Jahan's ability, like this offense becomes like something very unique and very scary. So I, I think I don't think he'll have a thousand yards if Terry's back. I think Terry will have you know twelve hundred or something like that, and Jahan will be eight nine ish. He might be over a thousand, but this offense with Terry Carson's arm with Jahan's route running nuance and kind of acumen, and then obviously Curtis Samuel's playmaking ability. I mean, it's 
it's a scary thought. It's all yeah. got to click. It's all got to come together. Like, which is, you know, those are all big ifs at this point. Cause Terry hasn't practiced, but gosh, like I'm like watching Terry watch again, watching him against Carolina, watching him against green Bay, literally just walk past DBs. Yeah. And, and I'm he's like, four, if, three fast. He's got four, three it, speed and it's easy for him. And it, it's a long stride. So that's a little bit different than a lot of DBs are used to seeing. And, I just haven't seen that. Like, you know, I've watched Julio Jones. I've watched guys that are very good, and they don't do that. And maybe the guys give him more respect. Maybe a bigger arm gets a bigger cushion. But, man, that's a scary thought to have a guy who can do that consistently married with a guy like Jahan who's got this. Again, he just shows, like, kind of next-level route-running understanding. So I'm very high on them. I'm very high on Terry. Like, I hope they all get back here. That nucleus is back. And I hope Carson can kind of keep his head on his shoulders for – 17 weeks and you know i think this team could be very very good but those are all ifs and more of those questions will be answered as we move into training camp all right uh perhaps one of the favorite questions of training camp uh and sticking with the theme of like players at different points on the roster we've done mvps we've done breakouts Mm. what about sleepers to make the 53 you know we saw deandre carter make it last year as as a returner um, I don't know that there's necessarily like a special teams guy that, that is floating around, but that, that tends to be where it is. And we haven't really seen that, but whether it's a, a fringe depth player, whatever it is, like who, who are the, the names to kind of keep an eye on as we look ahead towards training camp, which by the way, uh, opens a month from Tuesday. So I kind of thought that we could go by position and just talk through the guys and just how we see the the things going out. If you think that's cool, Craig, or yeah, we can we can roll okay. through because there's a lot of position like quarterback. I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on right. There's going to yeah, be three yeah. cool running back, probably the same, but maybe there's a guy that that's got all those teams value that that could sneak in. So yeah, let's start quarterback. Okay, we're done. Uh, running back. Well, first off, with uh, I think it's important, like, a guy who's done a good job in, in the quarterback room is Cole Kelly. He's probably going to make the practice squad, but again, like, very uber-talented guy. Just for the fans out there, when he's got his opportunities, he's done a nice job. Running backs, I agree with you. I think you've got your four there, and I think Patterson's probably a practice squad guy this year, if he makes the roster, because... Jonathan Williams has looked very good in his in his repetition, so we'll see what happens there. Tight end, I think, gets really interesting because of Logan Thomas's industry. Obviously, John Bates is a lock. I think Cole Turner's as close to a lock as you're going to get. And then that third, fourth spot becomes really inter- interesting. Uh, Armani Rogers, I think, is a practice squad guy. AGG's probably a practice squad guy unless he shows something else. What happens with Sammy Sreyas? You mentioned special teams, right? Mm-hmm. He's a very good special teams player, but again, has he developed? He didn't do anything during OTAs because of an injury. My guy is Curtis Hodges, who I think is the, the undrafted free agent out of Arizona. Very talented guy, productive in college on teams, a lot of upside. I would like to see him make the 53, but if you're keeping three backs, again, like how does that shake out exactly? You know, if Logan Thomas is on pup, what's going on there? Uh, so that to me is a very interesting group. Keep an eye on if you're, if you're a fan. And that's something again, to like watch in preseason, for example, offensive line is interesting because they have like a bajillion guards. They've only got, <laughs> they only got three tackles pretty much. So Cosme, Leno, Lucas, and then they signed this guy, uh, Willie Beavers, who was in what was in San Francisco. Again, he's only been here like three days. Everybody else in the roster is a guard. And so how many guards do you normally carry? You normally carry the three starters, you have a swing guard and then a because West can play both guard spots and center, like it really gives you some roster flexibility on game day. But you know, obviously Sadiq's probably gonna be here, West is gonna be here. My question mark is does Chris Paul kind of sneak into that game day active 
when he's playing guard, he looks pretty good. We've talked about that on the show. Tackle, kind of like Sadiq, they struggle at tackle a little bit, but might be able to make some plays at guard. Hard to tell for sure because he's working with the threes. Receiver, again, is pretty much a lock in my opinion. Right. You got, you got Terry, Jahan, Curtis Samuel, uh, Deami Brown, Cam Sims. Sims. Feels like the five. Uh, what, about, um, what about Dax Milne? Um, because he's a guy that a lot of people man. liked him last year in camp. He showed a little bit when he got out there, but obviously showed uh, some, some areas where he needs to improve. Um, a guy that gives you some versatility as a punt returner. Like, yeah. Does he have a shot? I think that's tough because the guy who's also done a really nice job is Alex Erickson. From He's a former mm-hmm. uh, Carolina guy. He's shown up in a nice way. He's a little bit faster than you thought. He's a little bit more route like route running nuanced, and they're very similar players. I mean, if they, you know, like they're both white dudes, they're both about the same build. So when you're watching, you're like, oh, who is that? And so again, he's got a little <laughs> bit more experience. I think he's got a little bit more juice, and I think like in terms of speed, acceleration, and again, like kind of ability to stick and run. And so he's playing that slot wide receiver, and that feels like a better a better fit for him, right? And I know they really like Dax here, but again, that Alex Erickson guy is the punt returner. I think he's done that. He Maybe, could literally I, be the DeAndre Carter. Literally, yeah. Like, he might be the return guy. And so that, again, is something to keep an eye on. I think in terms of guys with more juice, uh, Michael Markinson is faster. But again, I've never seen him return kicks. I know Alex Erickson has done that. And I know Dax Mill has done that. So again, even though these other guys might be faster, they might have better 40s you might feel more comfortable with those two guys who've done that before, done it in college, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. All right, defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, sleepers to make the 53. Uh, let's start on the D-line. Uh, and let's go interior guys first. We know the the, the big three. Who, yep. else, who else could potentially make it beyond Payne Allen, uh, Mathis? Well, Daniel, ninety. I didn't know Daniel Wise was number 92. I'm looking at the depth chart right right now. He's actually had a really nice OTA yeah. period. I didn't know it was him. He was, was good last was, year when he got Yeah, he was great last year. So that feels like a pretty solid spot. Yeah. I think uh, Abada, I know we have another question about him, but I think he well, actually – Let's go ahead and tackle that now because one okay. of the other questions, and we're, we're – I'm, I'm starting mentally to – I'm looking ahead. I'm calling some audibles at the line here, condense some questions down because we got yeah. a lot left and not, as, not enough time to do them all, which is great because that means – we can, we can stick these in mailbags, and we'll get to your question if we don't answer it today, if you're listening. Yeah. But we had a question about James Smith-Williams and F.A. Obata playing defensive tackle. Have they gotten reps in there? So how, how does that affect this question? Right. So because Chase has been out, James Smith-Williams has been starting at end, right? And then the other side has been a rotation between Montez and Casey Tuhill. Montez, because he kind of practices when he wants to practice, and Casey's done a great job filling in. So those that to me, those are your defensive ends, right? James Smith-Williams, Casey Tuhill, um, Montez Sweat, Chase when he's healthy, and then you need another defensive end piece. That has been interesting because Obata has not looked very good at end, but he's looked better playing a five technique or a three technique. So I think that's going to be like your five-man rotation on the inside. Obata playing inside, Mathis, Wise, Payne, Allen, I think is what you're going to get. And then you get some flexibility with Wise too, who played okay on the edge last year. And so I think that's what you're going to get. A guy who might sneak in here is uh, Bunmi Rotimi. I mm-hmm. can never say his name correctly. Because, Sorry, Chase, because Chase is hurt. You know what I mean? And because um, Obata can bump inside. So I think that might be something to see. And that being said, a guy who's looked pretty good, who's flashed a little bit, is uh, Bradley King. He's going against the threes, so it's hard to know exactly how much he's flashing. And Shaka Tony's shown a little bit of pass rush juice. 
I wish those guys would have developed more. Right now, I would feel better with Rotimi. I'd feel better with Obata playing inside. And I think you feel that that kind of feels like the group as of right now, in my opinion. So to answer the question about the, the defensive tackle depth, it's been Obata who's kind of flushed out that depth for them. And they keep five. They might keep six there. I don't know if there's anybody else on the roster that you feel great about. So keep an eye on the free agent ticker for that. Gotcha. All right, uh, let's run through linebackers and DBs real quick. A linebacker, uh, linebacker Holcomb, line, Hol- a Holcomb Davis, yeah. Mayo, Hudson. Yeah, for sure. Dejon sure. Harris makes it as a team's guy and a, and a backup. I was just trying to look because one of these kids has done a really good job. It's either it's 45 or 46, so uh, Milo or Harris, both of them have done a nice job. One of them because I'm dyslexic, so the numbers get confused when I watch practice. <laughs> yeah. But one of those kids has looked and they, good. And they I think did the, the wacky bit where they got commanders on the back of every jersey. Yes. Help your so that's, Come on, Ron, help Logan out. Put some help names me out there. Right, so I think it's 45 who's looked pretty good. And then, obviously, the two kids, the two undrafted kids, Drew White and Bryce Notary, have looked good in certain spots. But again, I think if you're looking for your fifth linebacker, it's probably Harris and you know, Milo's look good, but I think Harris has looked better. Um, and then Trey Walker actually is another guy, 41, who's shown up a little bit. So uh, that that's the kind of position, that last linebacker spot, when you talk about sleepers to make the roster because yes. of how impactful teams can be, that's yes. a spot to look at for yes. sure. This, this to me is like the biggest roster question mark is how these last six dudes on the depth chart here play out. I think Harris has looked the best in team stuff, but again, this is not – in, in practice playing defense, but this is not a position that's like cultivated only on how you play linebacker. It's how well you play special teams. So just as an example, Milo who hasn't flashed quite as much might be a better special teams player. So he'd be your fifth guy or Trey right. Walker might be your fifth guy. So again, for preseason totally. for training camp, that's the special teams variance you're looking for. This is the number one spot for that. And by the way, as we wrap up with DBs real quick, that's why Troy Apke's always on this list. Correct. Like Apke's yes. a great special teams guy. And even though he stunk so much at safety that they moved him to corner where they're terrified to actually play him and will literally do anything to not play him, he's probably going to make the team because special teams is important. And by the way, right. with the Shades or Everett moving on in the offseason, um, they need some guys with some experience there. Uh, so Fuller, Pearl, McCain, Jackson, St. Juice. I mean, we're talking about Reeves, Apke, and then I know you really like Christian Holmes and what you've seen from him so far. By the way, Derek Forrest, Percy Butler also in there. So there's that that end of the DB spot could be a really interesting one too, and teams is going to, as always, play a huge role. Correct, and I think the cool thing about the safety spot is Derek Forrest and Percy Butler are outstanding special teams players. I think if you're really good about the two deep there, I think Christian Holmes is my, right now, He's it's been fun to watch OTAs because he's slowly worked his way up from working with the fours, the threes, now he's working with the second, and he's getting some one reps. I think he's your fourth corner right now. So corners is Fuller, St. Juiced, Holmes, Jackson. And then I think the fifth corner spot, if you do carry five, is going to be predicated on special teams. And so that's where that Apke role comes into place. Apke, Revis, those guys are kind of interesting um, because – I don't know in terms of fifth corner, none of these other guys have flashed to me and a lot of them have struggled a little bit. So again, keep your eye on the free agency ticker for the fifth corner. I think it's safety. You feel good six deep here. So you might say, Hey, Apke's our fifth corner or whatever he's doing again, like they did last year and he's never going to play just to keep a roster spot for him. But um, he's actually, to be fair to Apke, he's looked good during OTAs. And yeah, again, this is his second not, year at corner. So I would hope he looks yeah. better. 
He's playing safety again, though. They oh, they got him back to safety. safety. Okay. Yeah, so they could get a better look at Christian Holmes, who's now, like I said, the probably the fourth corner. So gotcha. um, that's a really, again, the defensive stuff because the team's value is really interesting. But I feel like we've kind of flushed out, you know, the uh, the kind of the main guys who are going to make the roster and then the question marks. So in terms of sleepers for fans, Christian Holmes, I think, is like, I don't know, as close to a lock as you're going to get here in the in the secondary because he's in the – in my mind, he's the fourth corner. Now, who's the fifth corner? Who's the who's the fifth safety? Those are questions that get answered during training camp. No doubt, and that's that's what we have the pod for during training camp. And yep, we'll right. spend uh, an exhaustive amount of time on it for a bunch of guys that are mostly going to play special teams. But that's the yearly rotation. That's how we. Do. <laughs> Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Greg Hoffman. That's Logan Paulson. All right, last couple of questions here. Uh, these are these are a little bit off the beaten path, uh, but I really like these two questions that I want to wrap up with so we can spend a little bit more time on them. Um, this one actually came from a former trainer of yours, and obviously the two of us are also in the fitness space. And <laughs> you played in the NFL. So yeah. I, I love this question. What is the balance between extra work and making sure you get your recovery? Because... Obviously, we think of guys need to get better, need to get better, need to get better, but also you need to take care of your body. So I'll let you go first because you have the expertise, not only of a fitness background, uh, but someone who actually experienced what it's like to go through all of the work and the extra work, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I, I have thought certainly watching different guys over the years, but I'll, uh, I'll let you tackle this one first. Yeah, so this is a really good question. In the beginning of my career, I did everything Everything and anything I possibly could to get better. Like I was, I'd get out to practice 30 minutes early. I'd stay 30 minutes late. I'd go in on the off day and run full speed routes. I'd stay after run full speed routes. But as I got older, I couldn't do that anymore. So I kept trying to do those things, but my body just couldn't handle it. So I think the biggest thing to understand for people listening is that this, this, what this is changes as you progress through your career, it changes as you're playing more on Sundays. It changes as you're more involved in practice. So one of the things that I looked at, and it's something that I wish I would have done, is just chilled out a little bit more. Like, take a rest day. Take a vet day. I would never take a vet day. They're like, we're going to keep you out of practice today. And I was like, absolutely not. No way you're going to do that. And I would just beat myself into the dirt. And I just didn't and have And now you're awareness. stuck talking to me. Yeah, that's right. And, and I didn't have the awareness... <laughs> To kind of say, like, this is too much. My body's not recovering the way it was when I was 24, 25, 26, 27, right. 28. And when I got into my 30s, like, that was a pretty steep drop-off. Like, I remember doing a sprint in practice and, little, like, literally thinking to myself, like, I might have just torn my hamstring off the bone just from, like, one sprint. And so, again, like, I was a big weight room guy, always doing extra, and I wish I would have managed that a little bit more acutely. You know what I mean? Just kind of said, hey – I don't need to do all of this. I need to. I need to survive the season. I'm not going to get stronger in season. The training volumes are just too high. And um, again, when I was younger and I wasn't playing as much, I could easily handle that. I could easily accommodate that. But as I got older, that definitely needed to shift, and I just couldn't see it. I was too close to it. Now, like you mentioned, I do personal training. I do coaching. I do programming, and it's so blatantly obvious to me. But I just couldn't. I couldn't recognize that I was getting older. And that my body wasn't handling the stimulus the same way. Yeah. Uh, the phrase that comes to mind here is a minimum effective dose. Correct. Right. Can you do the absolute least to get the most value? Because it, right. then you get into diminishing returns. And I think something you, you touched on there is super important. And that is as your playtime increase and thus your practice snaps increase, you not only were you getting older, but you 
could handle that extra work less because you're probably trying to do the same amount of extra work. Correct. But yep. instead of the equation being 80 plus 20, it was 100 plus 20. Right. And those are two different totals. And, right. and so I, I think, you know, that's part of it is like understanding where you are in your career, what you actually need to work on. What is, what is the things that you can isolate and say, I need to do extra work on this to get better without going overboard and, and doing things that ultimately having diminishing returns. And actually, ironically, we talked about this kind of at length on my fitness podcast this week. I was going to say, um, did you talk about it with yeah. the Golden State Warriors? Yeah. yeah, we talked about it with the Warriors and, and on last week's uh, show, we talked about it um, through the idea of the beep tests and I actually referenced some, uh, some stuff that I've seen football conditioning guys do too. Uh, similarly, where you do extra running or whatever after practice and what's going to make you the best player is being the best player. And I think it's, it's the most apparent. It's obviously a very different sport, but you watch track and field, right? And they just had the, the U S national championships and you watch Sydney McLaughlin run a world record in the 400 meter hurdles. And she crosses the finish line standing up and just kind of, maybe she actually went down to a knee cause she pretty full sent to, to set the world record, mm-hmm. but you watch the winners and they are, they're just like, you know, take an extra victory lap. They're walking around they're breathing heavy. Obviously, they gave a maximum effort. But the people that come in seventh, eighth, they're the ones who like collapse to the track. They're the ones who just give out. And I right. think football can be the same way. Like the effortless nature of being good comes from the fact that it requires less effort. So we talk about conditioning and rest and recovery. It's spending the time to do the things that are going to make you the best possible player because that is going to help you actually play more and obviously be as good as you possibly can versus a bunch of extra conditioning that's just like mindless running or extra time in the weight room. But I also think there is value in some of that stuff for the sake of, like you talked about with Austin Hooper, you know, having the coaches see you do it. So it's a lot of strategy. Some of it's BS. Some of it's like you want to come early, stay late, whatever. So the coaches see you. They think they're, you're working hard. The GM sees you. You get the contract. Uh, but also there's the other side of it of, making sure that you are taking care of yourself, making sure that you do the things that you actually need to do, not necessarily the classic extra hard work. Oh, that guy's on. Like if you, if you don't drop balls, uh, don't spend time on the jugs machine. If your routes stink, go run some extra right. routes and then call it a day. If you're the other way around, you know, and your routes are great, but you're dropping everything, go to the jugs machine, do the things that you need to do and then don't do, don't do more. Minimum effective well, dose. Well, I think the other thing is like, I would always, I'd get up, pre-practice like activation and I'd go out and do my stuff and be on the field and I'd come in and I'd do like some post-practice stuff and that was always good like stretching and mobility Mm -hmm. and just kind of get my body back to square one right that always was good and then I started adding stuff without taking stuff out I just kept adding and adding and adding and adding and the other thing that as I got older I probably could have done a better job of was like there's different ways to work, right? So I could go get mm-hmm. on the Normatech books, boots and watch film. I could get in the cold tub and have my iPad with me. I could go to the film room and just watch tape in there. And would that have been more productive than me doing like a full, you know, 30, 45 minute reset post-practice, being in the dark kind of cool room? And again, that's a different type of work, but it's it's not kind of physically taxing in the same way. So again, Uh, I think that's the one thing I would say to people is just like, your body's going to change, understand those changes, right? Understanding your stressors are going to change, especially in season. Season's a high stress time. Like you don't need to be adding a ton of extra stressors. And you, in fact, want to be eliminating those as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that I would say is like, if you're saying, oh, I don't want to get weak, just remember like an 80% effort once a month. Think about that once every four weeks. 
is enough to maintain your strength for that duration of a football season. So, like, I think dudes are hitting 80% way more frequently than once a month, and that's something that I could have done because I felt like if I didn't hit it every week, I was going to lose strength, but I probably could have gone even every two weeks, just pushed it out, taking my time, let my body recover, and that's something I could have done a way better job of when I was playing. But, again, there's, like, this – I talked to a strength coach that I have a lot of respect for, and he was like, that's, like, how you were wired. You know what I mean? You, right. you like that's what a lot got of it's you a mentality were, thing. Yeah, like and I and it was like it was like uh it was like my pacifier in a weird way. I did extra to kind of calm myself down like oh no one else is doing this. Uh, no one else is doing hitting the sled 20 times after practice. Like this is what's going to keep me on the team. And that extra work is what kind of calmed me, but it was actually probably not a great thing either. So Yeah, well I would say this too what ultimately is going to matter is how you practice. Like right. you don't even get, and I say practice over play because you don't get the chance to play if you don't practice well, which is really unfortunate for some guys who are much more sure. gamers than they are. You know, they're not great practice players, but at the end of the day, both for your conditioning, your skill set, as well as the impression you make on the coaches. If you're not doing any of that stuff and you ball out in practice, coaches are going to play you. Uh, right. and, and we've seen that time and again throughout the NFL history with any number of guys. Uh, last thing real quick before we go. Hardest part of adjusting to the pro game for a rookie? Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I just went down to Titan University, and one of the things that came out of that, you know, is I got to talk to a lot of young guys. And it was, and I've been around young guys my whole career. And one of the things that I found interesting is that um, they all, pretty much every rookie, every young guy I've talked to thinks the adjustment from high school to college is way more challenging than college to the NFL. And the one, the one variable that comes out of it that they think is very challenging is the, um, is the uh, what am I saying, is the speed of the game, right? Because everybody is fast, like every single person, just the, and it's not even like that people are fast, it's the immediacy, the urgency of it. Like I remember when I was a rookie, like I remember Cooley had to tell me like, hey man, like get off on the snap count. And I was like, I am getting off on the snap count. And he's like, no, like watch this. And he took me through the film and like, play, pause, play, pause, play, pause. And I was like a full three clicks, three frames after everybody else. And he's like, this is this will get you killed in the NFL. And understanding that, understanding how urgent everyone is, it's, it's unbelievable. Your first NFL practice, if you have an opportunity to go and watch one, like just compared to any other sport, it's, I mean, compared to any other level of football, excuse me, that it's, it's not, it's not the speed that's doing it a disservice. It's urgent. Everyone's running the ball. Everyone's sprinting. No one's kind of tempering or tampering. It's like they're taking good angles. They're taking good reads. They're, you know what I mean? They're anticipating stuff at a different level. And so accommodating that, I think, is the most challenging thing. But, you know, if you're a good football player, um, you can get that done. So a lot of guys, you know, first couple of practices, first three, four weeks, that's the thing that sticks out to them. And I think the other thing for tight ends anyway is the volume of information you have to know, right? You just mm-hmm. got to know a ton of stuff. So you got to be super efficient in terms of getting to where you got to go while also processing all this information. And so those are the two variables that I, that consistently come up when I talk to young young players. Yeah, that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I've definitely seen that in the guys that i covered over the years. All right, yeah. uh, future mailbag questions can be submitted on Twitter to me, at Hoffman Show, on Instagram, at Logan underscore Paulson82. We'll do another one of these in like a month or so. I uh, got a bunch of cool stuff like we talked about off the top uh, coming on the podcast. Positional previews. We'll get some of the other beat reporters on here. Uh, maybe Sam Fortier will join eventually, or maybe he'll duck us a couple more times. Yeah, Sam, I said it. Shots fired. 
ducking it. It's fine. We love Sam. Also, uh, Craig, just yeah. read some of the other questions we got. So, because I just so everyone knows that we've got them and they're on there. Yeah, like, we uh, things we didn't get to today. There was a question about average depth of target. That would have been really fun. We can get into that maybe in our receiver preview uh, in, in yeah. the next couple of weeks. Uh, what should fans pay attention to in preseason games? We kind of worked that into some of the yeah. uh, some of the answers. Um, one that I we didn't get to that I definitely am looking forward to talking about uh, when we do our line preview or in a future mailbag is why aren't people more excited about Norwell and Turner getting back into the system and will the offensive line take a step forward or step back? That should be really fun to talk about because I think that's really really fascinating. Yeah, um, I do too. So just those are things that we, yeah, we heard. Fair you expectations for the defense. Yeah. That was another one. Yeah. Um, that yeah. I think we'll I think we will spend a lot of time on that over the next six weeks leading into training camp and frankly the six weeks of training camp. I think we'll have a better idea once we get to training camp too. I think obviously like they looked like they had a hard time during OTAs, but they look great in minicamp. So which, which of those two come up and are more consistent during that training camp period, I think is important. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, that's it for this week's show though. Make sure again, if you just found us and you checked it out, you, hopefully you like what you heard. And if you do subscribe and it'll come to you every Monday and Thursday, also rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. For Logan, I'm Craig. I'll see you all on the radio and right back here Monday for Take Command.